Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, December the 20th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And on Wednesdays, we are talking about the book of Proverbs. Now, before I begin, I am available on Sundays to be preaching or helping out with the congregation. If there is a vacancy, uh, let me know at tombaker at brick.net. That's B-R-I-C-K dot net. And we can be preaching for Christmas, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, or throughout the next year. I just finished over four years at Emmanuel Macomb, wonderful congregation, and looking forward to the next one. All right, Proverbs chapter 30 is very interesting. It begins with verse one. The words of Agur, A-G-U-R, son of Jaka, J-A-K-E-H, his prophetic revelation. Now, who is this Agur or Agur? Well, we don't really know. The verb comes from to sojourn, but no other person in the Old Testament has his name. Jewish tradition took it to be a pseudonym for Solomon himself. This was probably done as part of an effort to to assign the entire book to Solomon. But there's little evidence for identifying Agur with Solomon. It's probably best to consider Agur, the author of Proverbs, to be an otherwise unknown Israelite, but he is so captured by Solomon's words that the only New Testament book that is designated as a prophecy or prophetic revelation is Revelation, the book of Revelation. But as creative as these proposals are by Agur, it is best to understand that he is the son of Jaka, which is a proper name of another unknown Israelite. Therefore, since we do not know who Agur was, it is impossible to know precisely when these words were spoken or how they came to be included in the book of Proverbs. But they do follow the Proverbs of Solomon that were copied by Hezekiah's men. So we can be reasonably certain that they were added to the book no earlier than the time of King Hezekiah, and that they would have been written during his reign. The sayings of Agur treat three estates that God has established for human welfare. The first is the kingdom of grace, 
his church. The second is the kingdom of good order, namely the family. And the third is civil government. Agur treats those last two estates for the welfare during the entire earthly life of family and government. The family is a universal means God created to bring people into this world and to nourish and educate children into adulthood. Civil government is also a universal means by which God sometimes restrains sin and harmful behavior and also promotes what is good for all people. The entire book of Proverbs actually reveals a divine wisdom from God himself. And this includes the Proverbs of Agur. It preserves and strengthens the family, and it does so with both the church and the government. So let's take a look after verse 1 that talks about this man, Agur, has this revelation. Verse 1 concludes, The man declares, I am weary, O God. I am weary and worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Now, who does that remind you of? It reminds me of John the Baptizer. Remember what he said in comparison to Jesus? Boy, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie his sandals. This really is a real word of repentance on the part of Agur. He says he's weary, he's worn out, and he is more stupid than a normal person. He doesn't even possess human understanding because he hasn't learned wisdom and he does not have knowledge of the Holy One. Boy, you're not even out of verse 3, and he's already talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Holy One. And remember, the, the ministry of John the Baptizer was to bring to people who were ignorant of the Holy One who that man was. Remember, John the Baptizer says, he's the one who's come to take away the sins of the world. So you don't have to just go to the New Testament to find out about Jesus. Agur, whoever this Israelite was, is inspired by God after reading the Proverbs of Solomon to add more 
to what God desires us so to speak. And this is something we do in liturgy. Well, Agur says, I'm weary, God, and I don't have knowledge of the Holy One. What do we do in the liturgy? I'm a poor, miserable sinner. I deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. Why? Because I have sinned not only by deed, but also by thought and by word. I have not met the requirements of the law. This chapter 30 of Proverbs is a wonderful chapter to understand the distinctions between law and gospel. When Agur reads the law, boy, he's really concerned. In the Sunday school lesson for this coming Sunday, we talk about King Josiah. He was one of the wonderful kings of Judah after Hezekiah. Well, two sons of Hezekiah were very evil, and then Josiah became king. But in repairing the temple, they found the book of the law, which we think is the book of Deuteronomy. And when he read that, what did Josiah do? He tore his clothes. Why? Because he realized not only he, but the people themselves were sinners before Almighty God. They were weary. They were worn out. Do you know how difficult it is to try and do your good works in order to merit heaven? And yet that is what the whole world thinks outside of Christianity, that you merit heaven by doing good works. In contrast to Matthew 25 about the sheep and the goats, the sheep did not merit salvation. They inherited salvation. It was a gift from God, even while they were still sinners. They were declared righteous. And that's where they received knowledge of the Holy One. How does one receive knowledge of the Holy One? Through the Scripture. And you receive faith from the Holy Spirit, which helps you to understand the ways of God and particularly how God regards you. Yes, as regular human beings, we can be considered as stupid. We don't even possess human understanding of God. This is really important to realize that in contrast to every other religion in the world, which comes from the minds of fallen human beings, Christianity alone is revealed from God himself. And apart from that revelation, a person cannot use his own human understanding to learn about God. That's what verses 1 to 3 of Proverbs 30 is talking about. And Agur then goes ahead 
to explain that in verse 4. Who has gone up to heaven and come down? Who has gathered wind in the palms of his hands? Who has wrapped water in a garment? Who has set up all the ends of the earth? What is his name and the name of his son? Certainly you know. Well, here again, we have much of the New Testament being talked about here in Proverbs 30. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Well, that's none other than Jesus Christ himself, who was in heaven, and he became incarnate. That meant he came down to earth, and born of the Virgin Mary, he became a human being. He was not a human being until the birth. And when he became a human being, he suffered and died for your sins. Who has wrapped up the waters in the garment? Who established the ends of the earth? Well, that's talking about John chapter 1. Jesus, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God, and there was nothing that was created that was not created by the Word. Jesus is found in the first three chapters of Genesis. Uh, Sorry, the first three verses, because the third verse, after talking about the Father and the Spirit, speaks about, and the Word said, let there be light. That was Jesus in his pre-incarnate state. The angel of the Lord, the word of God. He was the one who gathered the wind in the palms of his hands, who wrapped up water as a garment on the earth, who set up all the ends of the earth. What is his name? And what is his son's name? Surely you know, Augur says, because he's been reading what Solomon had to write. And though Jesus was not known by Jesus, he was known by even Emmanuel in the Old Testament. He was the anointed one. He was the savior of the world. He was the redeemer of the world. And so we got him to know him as Jesus. And what does Jesus mean? It means the one who saves us. This is wonderful. So this is law and gospel. From the point of view of the law, we consider ourselves stupid and we do not have knowledge of the Holy One. So how do we get that knowledge? We get it from one who was in heaven and came down. 
and who gathered all the waters of the world, wrapped them up as well as the ends of the earth. What is his name? Certainly you know. So that's up to verse 4. Verse 5, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Well, here again, we have another metaphor. You know, how many times is Jesus referred to as metaphors? He is the Lamb of God. He is the shepherd of the sheep. He is the door to the flock. He is the redeemer of the world. That means he buys us out of slavery. Therefore, Augur is really excited about knowing this Jesus, the Son of God. His weariness does not come from physical labor, but from his attempt to get wisdom. And he considers himself stupid in that way. But he says in verse 10 of chapter 9, that's Proverbs, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And that's where Augur says, boy, I haven't even learned that human understanding or that wisdom. That's not something I can learn. It's something that has to be received by the Holy Spirit. His claim is not false humility. Instead, this is a sincere, repentant heart that knows how it has failed to attend or attain God's ideal. The wisdom constantly invites us, even the most pious among God's people, we all fail to learn all that we should from God's word. That's why we have weekly worship services, Bible studies, confirmation, home study, etc. Because the old Adam infects all people. And Augur, like the rest of God's people, confesses that he has not figured out wisdom on his own. Instead, he relies on God's mercy to supply the wisdom that he is lacking. That's what verses 5 and 6 say. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield. A shield means to protect yourself against the world, the devil, and the flesh. Verse 6 is kind of a repeat that's found at the end of the book of Revelation. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. 
what he is saying here is that the words of God should not be added to. Otherwise, he will correct you and you will be shown to be a liar. That occurs even within the Christian church when a pastor teaches false doctrine. There are many in the church who realize it's false doctrine and they leave the church. Two churches that have lost many members over the past few years because of their liberal stance are the Methodist Church and the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America because they no longer teach God's word in its purity. This word of God is a shield who take refuge in him. But when you don't take refuge in the word of God, you have no shield. So Agur goes on in verse 7. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. In other words, don't keep them from me before I die. Number one, remove far from me falsehood and lying and give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Now, that's interesting. Why is Agur saying he just needs what is needful rather than riches? Don't give me poverty or riches Feed me only my allotted food. That's what God did to Israel during the 40 years in the wilderness. They received the allotted food of manna. Nothing more came from the skies. And then they got to the land of Canaan after 40 years, and they did not receive manna any longer because the land of Canaan was filled with fruit, vegetables, and animals that they could eat. So that's what Agur is saying. I don't want riches because that may make me think that, boy, I'm getting riches because I'm so good. And poverty, that's the problem because in poverty, I may think God is not taking care of me. So both of those things are taken care of by God giving me my allotted blessings. Otherwise, verse 9 says, if I am full, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or if I am poor, I may steal and profane the name of my God. So that's why he prefers neither great wealth or object poverty, because both are dangers to his believing 
the word of God. As we said, we don't know who Augur is. He was an Israelite around the time of Hezekiah. And having read what Solomon already has written, he is inspired by the Holy Spirit to show the necessity of repentance and to realize that when God gives us his allotted blessings, then that keeps us from being overconfident with riches or with poverty, underconfident. Finally, verse 10 of Proverbs 30. Do not slander a servant to his master, lest he curse you and be held guilty. Now, what he is talking about there is he doesn't want to be cursed by God because he is the servant of God. He indicates, therefore, that he meditates on God's word of law and gospel. In fact, throughout his chapter, it's clear he recognizes the books of Numbers, Deuteronomy, 2 Samuel, the Psalms, and Job. His prophetic revelation is placed after the Proverbs of Solomon to emphasize the divine nature of the wisdom spoken by Solomon. And therefore, both Solomon's words and Agur's words are as authoritative and inspired as the words of Moses, David, the New Testament apostles, and evangelists. And they all point forward to Christ, the Son of God, who we will be celebrating next week, Christmas, his incarnation. Our last program will be this Friday, this year, but we'll be back on January the 8th. I'm Tom Baker. Join with us tomorrow. Listen to Law and Gospel each week at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.